So last week, we were blessed to have John share, and he shared his testimony, and I heard it was an amazing time of fellowship and just a sweet time together, so praise the Lord for that. If you remember back, which would be two weeks ago, two weeks now, we were in the Gospels and we were studying through John chapter 1, and if you remember back that far, we were at verses 29 through 51. And we looked at, in the Gospels, being called by Jesus. And if you remember, in the Gospel of John, verses 29 through 51, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and he started calling people to follow him. We read about John and Andrew, who previously followed John the Baptist. They went to follow Jesus. We saw Peter. He went to follow Jesus, Philip, and Nathaniel. And it's interesting reading about that because they each had a different response to being called by Jesus. And something for us to think about from two weeks ago was as we are being called by Jesus, because each one of us are called by Jesus, maybe for different things and unique plans and purposes, but God is calling each one of us, how do we respond to God's calling? And I want you to think on that question because it's going to be tied into what we're going to be studying today. So if you're joining us for the first time online, we are going through the Gospels chronologically every week. However, we've had a couple setbacks in the past two weeks, so God willing, we'll resume through the Gospels, God willing, next week. But today we're going to be in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the verses. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so humbled to be able to come before you this afternoon, God, and to open your holy word. And we know, as your word says, your word is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, God, we're excited to just be able to read it, to study it, Lord, and we just pray that you would speak a timely word to our hearts, God, that you would encourage us, you would challenge us, and, Lord, that you would just uh, be glorified in this time. So, Father, we surrender this time to you, we commit this time to you now, Lord, And we just, again, pray that you'd be glorified in our time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians chapter 1, just to give you a brief overview real quickly. Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. It's a letter that he wrote to a church in a city called Colossae. Colossae is a modern-day city in Turkey. And it's believed, roughly historically, that Paul wrote this letter around 62 A.D., which would place this letter approximately two to five years before he was killed at the hand of the Romans. So definitely, he was on the road to martyrdom when he wrote this letter. He wrote this letter from a prison cell in Rome. And Paul was writing to this church because he had to address a problem that was going on within the church. And the problem was non-biblical teachings were being brought in and taught in the church. And so Paul had to acknowledge this. And he had to steer and point this church to the true gospel and the true lordship of Jesus Christ. It was a form of Gnosticism that was being taught. So Paul wrote to encourage the church, to challenge them, to continue on the work God had for them, and to steer them back to the true gospel and the true lordship of who Jesus is. So today we're actually going to start in verse 9 of chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and read verses 9 through 14, and we'll go back. We'll break them down one by one, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. So if you're following along, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, look what it says. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, 
and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. These are some amazing verses, and before we break them down, we're going to be studying today what it means to endure in the calling that God has for us. So in other words, how can we have endurance in walking and living our lives for the Lord and being obedient to the calling that he has for our lives? The word endurance, it means that you are able to withstand pressure or trials for an extended period of time. So for all the runners out there, if you ran 10 miles without stopping, I would say you have good endurance. You're able to do something that's uncomfortable and maybe even painful for an extended period of time. Now, if you tried to run one mile and were winded and you needed to breathe and catch your breath, I would say you don't have good endurance. Now, spiritually, it's easy to not have endurance as we walk in the calling that God has for us. And what Paul's ultimately writing in these verses is to encourage the church to continue on in their walk, in their calling, and to have endurance as they live and as they seek to glorify God with their lives and with the calling that God has for them. So keep that in mind. And remember that first question I asked before we began. How are you responding to what God is calling you to do? Well, starting back in verse 9, Paul starts off by saying, for this reason. Now, anytime we study scripture and we start off in a random section like this, and we read a phrase like, for this reason, we need to go back and see what reason Paul is talking about. For what reason? And we'll just kind of quickly glance at verses 3 through 8 of chapter 1 of Colossians. And Paul actually commends and compliments the church. And he tells them, if you look in verse 4, that there's two things that this church was known for. Number one, they were known for their faith in Jesus Christ. And number two, they were known for their love for the church, for all the saints. And Paul had said that this is bearing fruit and the same gospel message is spread all throughout the world. But Paul was hearing about their faith in Jesus and he was hearing about their love for each other, their love for the church. And every time we read something like this in scripture, we have to ask ourselves, how can I apply this to my life? If I look at this church and I see that they were known for their faith in Jesus and their love for the church, their love for each other, how would I be known to the world around me? How would the world look and view me, and would they see the same two things? Because ultimately, Jesus said in John 13, 35, you will be known that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So this is an amazing thing that this church was doing. They were continuing on in the work that God had for them, and they were well known for their faith in the Lord and their love for God's people. What a way to be known. What fruits are we bearing? What example are we setting for the world to see? Because you don't need me to remind you, the world is very dark and lost all around us. There's a lot of lost 
and unsaved people all around us. And now more than ever with the circumstances going on around the world, people are looking at the church. They're looking at the examples that we're setting. They're looking at how we respond to everything going on in the world around us. So Paul says for this reason, because I'm hearing these great things about you, because the work of God is being done in your life and in your church, because the word of God is spreading, for this reason I do not cease to pray for you. It's amazing. Paul tells his church that he constantly prays for them. He does not stop. He continuously, without ceasing, prays for this church. And not only does he tell them that he's praying for them, but he reveals to them what it is that he is praying for. So look at verse 9. He says, I do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. As we're going to be talking about how to endure in God's calling, we first have to understand there's a process to this. We can't endure in the calling God has for us if we're not first walking in the calling God has for us. We can't walk in the calling God has for us until we know what that calling is. And we're not going to know what that calling is unless we know who Jesus Christ is. So there's an order to this. And this is what Paul is telling this church as he's praying for them. He's praying first and foremost that they would know what it is God is calling them to do. They would know the perfect will of God, and they would know it in God's wisdom and spiritual understanding. So i got to ask this question. I ask this a lot in youth group as we are studying through Ephesians. We're looking at similar verses, and I ask the youth this a lot. I, I ask, do you know what it is God is calling you to do? I think I ask it every, every youth group, right? It pertains to the verses we're going through. It's a little different today because I'm not talking to a room full of youth who haven't even made it to high school yet and don't know what they're doing, right? I'm talking to adults, most likely people who are currently walking in God's calling. So you may be wondering, well, how does this apply to me? Well, it's very simple. Do you know what God is calling you to do right now today? Because when you step off a plane in a foreign nation, the calling of God doesn't stop there. When you plant a church, the calling of God doesn't stop there. He's continuing to grow you and shape you and continuing to use you And he's continuing to take you further in that calling. Now I ask this because it's very important that we remember that the calling that God has for us, it looks different sometimes. God's will stays the same. It doesn't change. But sometimes walking in God's calling, it does change. Sometimes our circumstances change going on around us. Sometimes we're not always doing the same thing. I can tell you this is a a true fact for, for me this year. I didn't expect on January 1st to be in Thailand halfway through the year. It wasn't part of my plan. I didn't think God was calling me to do that until it happened. Sometimes it changes. And so are you being obedient in that calling? No matter what the circumstances are going on around you. Paul is a great example of this. This is why I love to read Paul because his circumstances change daily. Paul was writing this letter from a prison cell. He was writing this, malnourished, and if you study the life of Paul, and you even see historically and even in Scripture, Paul's health was deteriorating. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beat. He was betrayed and rejected by his own people. His own people handed him over to the Romans. And as he wrote this letter, he's on the road to martyrdom. Yet Paul understood what God's calling was. He knew what God was calling him to do. And if you know what God is calling you to do, and if you're living in that calling, you need to guard it, you need to cherish it and protect it because the enemy does not want you to walk in that calling. He doesn't want you to endure in that calling. 
He wants you to reject it, forsake it, and leave it. But here's the thing about God's calling. Satan can't take it from us. Satan can't take God's calling from us. But what can happen is we can leave that calling. We can forsake it. That's what the enemy wants. And this is why it's so important, as Paul prayed for this church, that you would be filled with God's wisdom and his understanding and his will, that we continue to seek God's will daily and how we can be used by him. We seek this out through prayer and through the word of God. So that no matter what circumstances are going on around us, we are confident and we are sure that we are being faithful in what God is calling us to do. Well, take a look at verse 10. This is a great verse. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is an amazing verse, and I've been chewing on this this thought for a couple weeks now. What does it mean to walk worthy? What does it mean to walk worthy of God's calling? What does it mean to walk worthy in my walk with Jesus? How can I walk worthy of the Lord? And I believe to walk worthy, it means that you are living out what it is you claim to profess and believe. So, for example, if you profess that Jesus is your Lord, walking worthy of the Lord is living out that calling. Living out Jesus being your Lord. Because if he is your Lord, it's going to affect everything you say. It's going to affect everything you do. It's going to affect how you do everything. It's going to affect the examples you're setting. It's going to affect what you're watching, what you're listening to. This is what it means to walk worthy. To take your profession from your mouth so much further and you make it a lifestyle. This is so important to note because unfortunately today, many times, following Christ has become a weekly action instead of a daily action. Christ is Lord on Sunday, but not Monday, not Tuesday. What about Wednesday, right? And to walk worthy of the Lord means Jesus Christ is my Lord of my life every second of every day. And as I was praying on this, I felt, Lord, there's, I feel like there's more here. What else does it mean? How else can I walk worthy? And the Lord showed me three elements, and I'm sure maybe you can find more. I'm not saying these are the only three, but this is what I found studying this. I believe the first element of walking worthy is you need to take it seriously. You need to be serious in your walk with Christ, serious in the calling that God has for you. To be serious, it means that you don't take something lightly. You give your full thought and your full concern to something. You're not taking it lightly. You're not making jokes about it. It's very important to you, and you give yourself fully to it. Did that just describe your walk with Christ? Did that describe the calling that God has for your life? What about when you're surrounded by non-believers and they start mocking Christianity? They start mocking our Lord. They start mocking God's words. How serious is the Lord to you? What about when the enemy starts to speak lies into your life about the calling God has for you? How serious is your calling to you? Again, Paul, he guarded this. He cherished it. He treasured it. He didn't believe the lies going on around him because he was faithful in the calling God had for him no matter what his circumstances were. You've got to take it seriously. The second element I see here is you need to be intentional. You need to be intentional in your walk with Christ and intentional in walking in God's calling each and every day. To be intentional, it means that you are making a conscious decision to do something. For example, being intentional every day is taking time aside for the Lord and making sure that that time with the Lord is not interrupted, it's not taken away, nothing else replaces it. Are you intentional each day with your walk with Christ? You will always find time for what you love. Always. Always. 
Are you intentional in taking that time aside? I can tell you this. I struggled with this hard this past week as I was sitting at home with all the time in the world. And I struggled finding time with the Lord. I struggled being intentional. And I allowed so many distractions and so many things to take my focus and my attention off of Christ. And when our focus and attention comes off of Jesus and having time with Him, then be sure our eyes are going to come off the calling God has for us. You have to be intentional. The third element of walking worthy I see, and this is a huge one, being faithful. We have to be faithful in the calling God has for us. We need to be faithful in our walk with Jesus. Because we're called to be faithful in every area of our lives. Faithful in school, faithful in work, faithful in ministry, faithful in relationships. But it starts first with being faithful in our relationship with Jesus and being faithful in doing the work that he has called us to do. Being faithful means you're loyal and you will always strive for excellence no matter what the hardships are going on around you. No matter what the circumstances are. To be faithful means I'm going to do what God has called me to do and it doesn't matter if I'm sick or if I'm healthy. It doesn't matter if I'm living in freedom or if I'm living in prison. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. That's what being faithful means. Jesus was faithful to the Father's will no matter what he had to suffer. He was faithful, and in the same sense, we need to be faithful, first in our relationship with Christ, and then in the calling that God has for us. Again, we cannot endure in a calling that we're not first walking in. What else does it say in verse 10? It says, fully pleasing Him. When we walk worthy of the Lord, when we walk in the calling, and we are being faithful, and we're taking it seriously, and we're taking time for the Lord, this is what fully pleases God. I love that. I love the wording. Take a look at it again. Fully pleasing Him. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our merit. All that God asks of us is that we just trust Him. That we just faithfully follow Him. That we serve Him. That we surrender to Him. This is what fully pleases God. Many times I'll say in my prayer life, Lord, how can I bless you? How can I glorify you? How can I please you? And many times the answer is right here. It's right in front of me. I just need to be faithful. I need to walk worthy. I need to walk worthy of the Lord. I need to live this profession out each and every second of each and every day. This is how we are pleasing to the Lord. I love that. What else in verse 10? He says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If we're going to be fruitful, if we're going to be effective in ministry, it starts first with taking that time for the Lord. Putting Jesus above everything else. We cannot give what we don't have. And that's the problem. You know, we're in a city that has more missionaries than anywhere else in the world. And one of the most unsaved populations in the world. And this isn't out of judgment. It's, it's a fact, right? And unfortunately, many times, we want to give something that we don't have. If we're to share Jesus with the lost, we need to start with Jesus in our hearts. You know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I'll mention it again. So many times we seek revival, right? We want to see revival in this city, revival in this country, revival in this world. You know, if only the lost would accept Christ, we need to see revival. But first, revival starts in the church. Revival starts in our hearts when God's church comes together. And God's church does what the Lord instructed His church to do. By putting Jesus Christ first and loving each other, revival starts in our hearts. And if we're going to make an impact, and if we're going to bear fruit, we need to first get our hearts right with the Lord. Again, look at the order. Walk worthy of the Lord. Be fully pleasing to him. Then you'll be fruitful in every good work. The last thing in verse 10, increase in the knowledge of God. It does not stop. We never stop growing. We never stop maturing. 
One of the most dangerous places to be as a Christian is a place where I think that I'm always right and that my ways are perfect and that I don't need to be taught anything else. Right? I don't need to be taught anything else. My ways are best. I know. I know the Lord. That's a dangerous place to be in. Paul said you need to increase in the knowledge of God every single day. It doesn't stop. We don't stop growing. We don't stop maturing. And the way that we get the knowledge of God is right here through his word and the Holy Spirit living within our hearts. And this is what it means to walk worthy of the Lord and to walk worthy of his calling. And here's an amazing thing about serving God, and then we'll continue. When we serve God, it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with what we're good at or what we're not good at. God uses us because he's good, because he is faithful. You know, we were studying through the Gospels. Look at who God called to follow him in John chapter 1 just two weeks ago. He called fishermen who had no education. He called Nathaniel, who was a skeptic, who even mocked the idea of Jesus being the Messiah. He mentioned Philip, who we don't even know anything about him. I mean, this is who God calls to follow him, and he calls us to follow him and to serve him because he is good and because he's faithful. And if we're going to bear fruit, it starts with our hearts getting right with Jesus. Let's look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. This is the first time that we'll see Paul mention this word endurance. And in this translation, he doesn't call it endurance. He calls it long-suffering. But in other translations, this is what the word means, to have endurance. Hence the word long-suffering. You're able to suffer for long. I don't know. Right? But this is what the word means. And Paul mentions it here. But he mentions this first in verse 11, that first we need to be strengthened with all might according to the Lord's glorious power. It's a beautiful thing because whenever we're walking in the calling that God has for us, he's going to give us his strength and he's going to equip us to do what he has called us to do. He's going to give us strength to do it. This should encourage us. This should encourage us. Now, as I was studying this, I thought, great, God gives us strength. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. But then I felt the Lord just tell me there's something so much more there. And the Lord put on my heart, if we are in need of strength, it means that we were weakened by something, right? If we need strength, it means that something has depleted us to where we need. We need help. We need strength. We need rejuvenation, right? Just like if you're physically tired, you need energy, you need food, you need strength because you can't do it on your own. And as we serve the Lord, as we seek to be obedient to God's calling for our lives, we need God's strength because we cannot do it alone. You don't need me to remind you, or maybe you do, we're in a spiritual battle going on around us. There are forces of darkness at work that we have no idea about, that we can't see, that we hear nothing about. But I promise you this, the enemy does not want us to serve God and to walk in his calling. And I found this so timely for myself, and I'm sure it's timely for many Christians right now who are struggling in God's calling. Many Christians who are believing the lies of Satan that they shouldn't be doing what God has called them to do. Many Christians thinking, I'm inadequate to serve God. I can't serve him. The enemy putting thoughts in the minds of Christians to just pack everything up and go home because they're not making a difference here. Many Christians believing the lies. You know, for me, I was like, man, I was feeling sick this week, and I felt, man, this is God's punishment. Right? Just believing the lies of the enemy. And this is why we need God's strength, because the enemy is always seeking to pounce on us, always seeking to steal our joy, steal our hope, and he wants us to forsake the calling that God has for us. And this is why Paul says you need God's strength if you're going to have endurance. If you're going to endure in this calling, you need God's strength. Just like any nation that attacks another nation, how does a nation do it? It attacks its opponent where it's weakest. 
Many times a nation will study its enemy for years, maybe even decades at a time. And they'll study that nation. They'll study where they're strong and where they're weak. Sometimes a nation will send spies into an opposing country. And they want to know everything they can know about their enemy. But they want to know where their enemy is weak so that they can attack them. And this is how Satan operates. He's a good strategist. He's a good strategist. He knows where we're weak. He knows where we struggle. And this is why he comes after us. Maybe we struggle with impatience. Maybe we struggle with other people. Right? Maybe we struggle with discouragement. Whatever it may be, the enemy is going to attack us there. And this is why we need God's strength. And so maybe you're listening to this today. Maybe you're here and you need to be strengthened by God because you felt so discouraged and so beat up in the calling God has for you. You've been so discouraged. Why isn't there a hunger for the gospel? You've been discouraged. Why am I not seeing the results I want to see? Believing the enemy's lies and maybe you just need to be strengthened today. So how do we get strength? If you turn over to Psalm 138, verse 3, is a great verse. David says in verse 3 of Psalm 138, In the day when I cried out, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Turn over to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verse 39. David said, You've armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. If we're to receive this strength, all it takes is us crying out to the Lord, asking Him, seeking Him. And the Lord will give us his strength. He will give us what we need to be faithful in the calling he has for us. Because God does have a calling and we need to hold on to that. And we need to cherish it. We need to guard it. And we need to protect it. We need to preserve it from the enemy and his lies. Well, Let's continue in this verse. Verse 11. He says that you may have patience and long-suffering with joy. This is the manner that we're called to serve God. With patience and with endurance. And I'll tell you firsthand. I struggle pretty hard with both of these. I struggle with patience, and I struggle with endurance serving God. To be patient, it means you're not temperamental. It means you're not carried away with the problems going on around you. It means you're gentle, you're caring, you're approachable. People look at you, and they're not scared to talk to you or go up to you, right? This is what it means to be patient. People can see that you have love in your heart. Having endurance, it means, again, that you're able to endure a hardship for an extended period of time. And I don't know about you, but I've struggled with both of these, especially over the past two weeks. Ministry can be very wearing on us. The calling of God can be very wearing on us, especially when we go through hardships like sickness. When we go through hardships like things aren't working. We had quite a headache just with the tech this week. Praise the Lord. It's up and running. We're able to do our live stream. But whatever the hardships may be, ministry can be very wearing on us. And sometimes we believe the lie of Satan that it's about results and that it's about numbers and it's about what we can see, but that's not the case. God wants us to be faithful, whether there's a hundred people here or whether there's five. And this is what it means to have endurance. You know, in running, it's easy to start a run and feel great, but when you go too fast for too long, you just burn out. You need to stop. You need to catch your breath. Sometimes your lungs hurt. Sometimes your legs hurt. And ministry can be the same way many times. We can go and go and go hard with all our heart while everything is good, while things are going great around us, when we're feeling healthy. We can go hike up mountains, feel like the world. We are seeing hundreds of people come into Bible studies in a church, and we can continue on in ministry. But what about when things don't go the way that we want? What about when we are sick? We're not healthy anymore. I can't go hike up a mountain right now. What about when... Five people show up instead of a hundred. 
right? What about when things are not going the way that we want them to go? We're going through hardships. It's easy to say, blessed be the name of the Lord when things are going great, but what about when things are not? Ministry is up and down. It's hills and it's valleys. And not just ministry, our walk with Christ is that way. And so the question is, how can we endure? How can we continue and carry on in this calling? And we build endurance just like a physical endurance. If you want to build your endurance or what we call cardio, you want to have good cardio physically, what do you do? You exercise. And you find the physical things that you're not good at, and you keep doing them until you get good at them, until you can build good cardio, until you can build good endurance. And spiritually, it's the same way when we spend time exercising ourselves spiritually. When we are taking time and we're praising and we're trusting God no matter what's going on around us. Again, trusting God when we're sick and when we're healthy. Trusting God when people are showing up and when people aren't showing up. Trusting God when things aren't going the way that we want them to go. Trusting the Lord, remembering his goodness. Remembering his word. Holding on to the fact that God has a great plan and purpose for us. And he's called each one of us to further his kingdom and to share the gospel. To have joy in all that God calls us to do. It's the last thing in verse 11. It says that you may have patience and long-suffering with joy. It's so important to remember God's goodness in our lives. No matter what state you're in right now, no matter what you're going through right now in your life, in your walk, in your ministry, God is good, and we have every reason to rejoice. We have every reason to rejoice because God has saved us from our sins. God has called us out of dark and darkness and into his light. He's called us out of blindness into his sight. He has satisfied our hungering and our longing souls. And he has already won the victory over our enemy, over our sin, over our struggles, over our doubts. But it's easy to lose that joy. It's easy to lose endurance. And I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling with these things today, just cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord for his strength. Remember his goodness. Remember his mercies that he shows us every single day. I can tell you any time that I struggle, all I have to do is just think about God's goodness in my life. All he's delivered me from. And it helps. It certainly helps to remember the goodness of God. Let's continue on in verse 12 as we continue to study how we can endure in our calling that God has for us. Verse 12, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. I love this verse and I love this reminder because many times the enemy will feed us the lie that we are not good enough or that we are inadequate that we're not fit to serve God, that what we bring to the table, so to speak, is not good enough, that God can't use me, or maybe I'm doing something wrong. And I love this verse because this verse diffuses that lie of the enemy. Because what does Paul say in verse 12? You give thanks to the Father because he has qualified us. He has qualified us. It's not about me. God doesn't need any one of us in here, but he welcomes us to use us. He wants us to further his kingdom, but he doesn't need any of us. And to do his work and to further his kingdom, he qualifies us and he equips us to do his work. He qualifies us and he equips us to receive the inheritance that we have in heaven with all God's saints, his church. So no matter what's going on around us, Paul says, be thankful. Be thankful to our Father in heaven. Be thankful that God has qualified us. Be thankful that it's not about us. It's not up to us. It's not how faithful we are. It's how faithful God is. It's how good God is. There's nothing too great or too powerful for our God. He does whatever he pleases. 
And again, just like we were sharing on verse 11, sometimes we just need to remember and think upon God's goodness and his great power that he's shown us. Let's look at verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. I love this verse. It's a beautiful verse, and I encourage you. You know, this is a great verse to memorize, a verse to stick on your mirror, a verse to read and meditate on. I think it's a verse to recite in prayer when you're going through temptations and when the enemy is trying to beat you down and wear you out. This is a great verse to recite. This is a great verse to speak over your life, to speak over the calling that God has for you. As you're struggling with endurance and you're struggling carrying on in the work that God has for you and the enemy is pounding you and pounding you with lies, this is a great verse to remember. I'm going to read it again. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. This is the gospel message. God has delivered us from the powers of darkness. This power of darkness that Paul mentions, it refers to the spiritual forces around us that are seeking our destruction. There is a devil and he hates you. And he who has nothing good intended for you, his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. That's his goal. He wants to steal your faith in the Lord. He wants to destroy the walk in your calling. And he wants to kill you. That's our enemy. And that is the spiritual battle that we're in each day. In the spiritual darkness going on around us. But Paul gives us this great message. God's delivered us from the power of darkness. God is delivering us from the powers of darkness. And here's a beautiful thought. We serve a God of victory. We serve a great God. And again, get the comic book image out of your head of God and the devil, where the devil and God are equal, right? And they're, they're fighting each other, and God's struggling to fight the enemy. That's not how God is. Satan has already been defeated. Your sin's already been defeated. The lies of the devil have already been defeated. We serve the God of victory. And no matter what's going on around us, no matter how hard the forces of darkness are pressing on around us, the Lord has overcome them, and he will give us the strength to overcome in the spiritual battle we're in. And I'll tell you this, when we're, when we're physically weak, maybe when we're sick, maybe when we're going through a hardship, maybe it's a relational issue, I don't know, that's when we're vulnerable, and that's when the enemy seeks to instill his lies. Right? Because he sees that we're weakened, And what does he do? He comes and he feeds his lies to us so that we don't carry on in the walk and the calling God has for us. And Paul's reminding us in verse 13 that God has already delivered us from the enemy. We need not fear and we not be discouraged. But we should rejoice knowing that God has delivered us and he is giving us the strength to overcome. Our God has conquered sin and death. If you read there in verse 13, it says God has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The word conveyed in the Greek language, it refers to someone conquering another nation. And when that person would conquer that nation, it would transfer the people of that nation and make it their own. Those people are now part of the new kingdom. And this is what the emphasis that Paul is is giving us in this verse. He's saying God has conquered our sin, conquered death, conquered the devil, and he has made us his people. His special treasure. His children. If we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I love that. It's such a beautiful verse. Let's look at our last verse for the day. Verse 14. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
Paul reminds us what we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds us that we have both redemption and a forgiveness of our sins. He reminds us that the price for our freedom was paid in full with the spilled blood of Jesus on the cross. We're forgiven in full by the blood of Christ. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. When I read this, I wondered, why did he put this in? Why did he include this? Why didn't he just stop at verse 13 and say, God has conveyed us into his kingdom? Why does he mention and remind us again that we've been redeemed through the blood of Christ and that we're forgiven? He's writing to believers. Don't we know this already? And I truly believe this is included here for us because as we're in a battle, we need to remember that the war is already won. As we're in a spiritual battle each day as Satan seeks to attack us in our calling and our walk with Christ, one of the greatest things we can do is plead the blood of Jesus over what he's done for us. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ over the calling that God has for our lives. Again, I'll share this. Something Satan's been you know, feeding lies to me and many others I know of who have shared is the feeling of inadequacy. Right? Because we're not seeing results that we want to see or we're not, we're not feeling the way that we want to feel or do the things that we want to do. And the enemy feeds his lies. And Paul's reminding us in verse 14, we need to plead the blood of Jesus over that. The feeling or the sense that we should just forsake God's calling, pack up and leave or go do something else. We need to combat these lies with the blood of Jesus. Paul reminds us of the great work of Jesus on the cross because this is how we combat the lies of Satan. We make it known to all, we make it known to ourselves that we belong to Jesus Christ and that we've been redeemed in full by the blood of Jesus. It'll give us the strength and the endurance that we need to carry on in our walk with Christ because it is difficult, it is a struggle. But remembering the precious blood of Jesus that has washed away our sins, remembering the great work of God, this is how we're going to walk in our calling. This is how we're going to have endurance. This is how we're going to be able to carry on and to continue and endure in the work that God is calling us to do. So remember this, it's not your work, it's God's work. It's not about whether you can do it. You can't on your own. But God's qualified us. He's equipped us to carry on. He will equip us to endure. The blood of Christ is enough. So whoever is feeling discouraged today or maybe beaten down and worn out, just remember this, Christ has already won the victory. And we need to be faithful in the calling that God has for us. We need to be faithful in the circumstances that we're in. Because God wants to use us, whether we're sick or whether we're healthy. God wants to use us whether we're in prison or whether we're free. God wants to use us where we're at. We need to be faithful. And we cannot believe these lies of the enemy. We need to endure and we need to continue on and carry on. So I'll wrap up with this. We looked at verses 9 through 14 of Colossians 1. And again, God willing, we'll be back in the Gospels next week. But we talked about enduring in God's calling and having endurance because, again, many times it's easy to serve God when things are going well, going strong, and going the way we want. But it's not always easy to walk in God's calling when we're going through hardships and circumstances that are out of our control, governments acting the way they act, right? Work going the way that we don't want it to go. School being very difficult, being sick, being persecuted, All of these things, it's hard. But God has called us to continue in his work. He's called us to carry on and to endure. And he will give us the strength that we need. Because at the end of the day, it is a blessing and a privilege to be able to be used by God. And to further his kingdom and to do his will. So for each one of us in here, whether you know it or you don't know it, God has a calling and a plan for you. And we need to be faithful to walk in it. But again, it starts with our hearts getting right with Jesus. We're in a battle and we need to remember that the Lord is with us. And that through him... We can do all things. So I want to close with a few verses from Philippians 4. For me, it's only one page turning back. 
But Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 11 through 13, I want to close with these verses because, again, Paul knew what it was like to endure and to carry on in God's calling no matter what was going on around him. Look at verse 11 of Philippians 4. Paul said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love this. Paul, again, he knew what it was like to live in plenty. At one point, he was well-educated, well-respected, well-loved by all. But then Paul went through his life. He walked in the calling God had for him, and things didn't really go that way. They didn't go that smooth. Paul got sick. Paul got beat. Paul got betrayed, he got imprisoned, and eventually he got killed for the gospel. But Paul reminds us, I'm content. No matter what's going on around me, I know God has called me. I know God has a plan for my life, and I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to walk in that calling, and I'm going to fulfill that calling. So I pray that that would be the heart of each one of us. No matter what we're going through, we would trust God in this time and surrender ourselves to be used by him and to continue on and be faithful. So let's pray, and then we'll continue to worship. Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you, and I just um, thank you so much, God, for the example that we get in your word. Lord, and for the call you've given us to endure, to carry on, Lord, in our walk with you, to carry on in the calling that you have for our lives. And I ask, God, for each one of us that you would just strengthen us, God. You'd empower us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to do the work that you've called us to do, that we would go out and we would share the hope of Jesus to this world around us. God, that we would trust you in times of sickness, in times of health, in times of hardship, in times of plenty, Lord. That no matter what, our eyes and our focus and our hearts would be set upon you in the complete work of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for us. God, we love you. We praise you. And we just ask, Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen our brothers and sisters. Strengthen your church, God. Strengthen your church for what lies ahead. Strengthen your church to carry on in the calling that you have for them. Lord, we do pray, bring revival. Revive our hearts, God. Revive your church. Bring revival to this city, to this nation, and to this world, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just help us to be faithful. Help us to trust you more. Lord, teach us your ways. We love you, Lord, and we pray you continue to be honored and glorified in our worship and that you would just bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen.